Welcome everybody to the Bucks Film Room Podcast. I am excited to be back with our weekly show and have a very special guest joining us today. But first, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. It's under the Brew Hoop feed, so search Brew Hoop and you can get two great shows in one. Adam, Kyle, and Riley release their pod every Monday, and this Bucks Film Room podcast comes out on Thursdays. Please, please, please give us that good, good five-star rating. I'm on my knees begging. In other news, you can also find me on Twitter, at Bucks Film Room, and check out my YouTube channel under Bucks Film Room. All right, so let's just jump right to our guest. All right. Well, now I'd like to welcome in Jackson Frank to the podcast since the Bucks are taking on the 76ers on Sunday at 2.30 p.m. Central Time on ABC. I thought it'd be nice to get a little 76ers perspective. Jackson writes about Philadelphia for the Athletic Philadelphia and for Liberty Ballers. You can find him on Twitter at JackFrank underscore JJF. Um, he also is one of the founders of the newly created Sixers Film Room on Twitter, uh, at Sixers Film Room, so make sure to give them a follow. So, Jackson, I kind of wanted to start there. How did that Sixers Film Room come about? Like, who's a part of that? What does that look like for you guys? I think that's a pretty neat thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think at Liberty Ballers, we have a lot of different guys who are writers in general who either catch games late or rewatch games and then tweet out a lot of film, and uh, I, I noticed that a lot of other uh team accounts or teams had film room accounts. Obviously you're one of them. The Pacers have one, the Raptors have one. And, uh, I just thought it'd be a cool way to kind of, kind of collaborate with some of my Liberty Ballers, uh, staff writers together. And so I messaged a few of them that I know we're watching every game. We're kind of somewhat in tune at least with the X's and O's and, and have a sharp eye for that. And, uh, so I just created the account we got all of us to, to, uh, to give it a shout out and, um, so we're just, we're just kind of taking turns where we have a little group chat, we're bouncing ideas off each other and hopefully we're trying to get at least one to two threads after each game or before a game or whatnot. Um, obviously we're busy with that, but just kind of a fun way to, to create, put some X's and O's, uh, breakdown together. Cause I know that, um, some people are really invested in that and like to see kind of how that's tweaking or things are tweaking or themes and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it just, just kind of was kind of a spur of the moment thing last week and, it's been cool to see it take off so quickly. Yeah, it really has taken off, and I've I've been following what you guys are doing. You guys are doing some really really nice work on that already. So I look forward to seeing how that develops. Yeah, and our our managing editor uh, for Louis Ballers, he he's going to work on the site, and they're going to create a little tab uh, there. So if we turn it into like a little article with a link to the the Twitter thread, uh, we can do that too. So we're hoping to get get some pretty cool content connected between that account and our our Liberty Ballers site. So. It, should be fun to see where it goes in the next next few months, but for now it's just just kind of an exciting thing to to break down some film with uh, with fellow writers. Nice, nice. So yeah, everyone, go check that out. It's it's at seventy sixers film room, I believe, is just the original handle. Sixers film room, just, at sixers film just, room. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So make sure to check that out. They got some really nice stuff going up on that. So it's really, I think, worth your time, especially since. The Bucks and the 76ers tip off this Sunday, so if you want to kind of get to know what Philadelphia is about a little bit more, that's a good place to kind of get some of that information. So speaking of that, you know, as someone who cover the Sixers extensively, how how do you view the Bucks? Like, are the is Milwaukee a serious contender in your guys' eyes, or how do you view the Bucks um, as a p- potential matchup against Phil- Philadelphia? 
if I can talk. Well, yeah, no, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't speak for for everyone, obviously. Um, but I, I definitely can tell you that right now the Bucks are my my pick to come out of the East. I think they're they're a serious contender to to make it uh, make it out of the East and win win the conference. Uh, and I think, truthfully, out of out of the that kind of that big four, um, the Celtics have the seem to have the Sixers number for whatever reason. But I think between the Raptors and the Bucks. The Sixers match up a lot better with the Raptors. I think the Bucks, because they have kind of a five different guys in their starting lineup who can put the ball on the floor a little bit or shoot it and defend and all that, uh, is a really scary matchup because the the Sixers' core just lies in their their starting five. The bench is pretty weak, obviously. Um, so I think part of the the allure with the Sixers is they have five guys who can beat you on offense, but the Bucks counter with that with five guys who can also beat you on offense or take mm-hmm. you off the dribble. And there's not really anywhere for the Sixers to maybe hide a player. Uh, or things like that. So I, if I, from a stick perspective, I would much rather see them, see them play the, the Raptors in the, in the Eastern Conference semifinals, the Eastern Conference finals, wherever it may be, because I think the Bucks are legit and they've proven that all year with their, their league best record and net rating. Yeah, I think these two teams would be very interesting because they kind of have opposite approaches where Milwaukee, they have a lot of depth and a lot of balance behind Giannis. Uh, the 76ers are really top-heavy, kind of in their top five. Um, and so they rely a lot on those starters. And, and also Milwaukee, they've added a couple of pieces late here, and so they've been basically gelling the whole season where Philadelphia is now is kind of learning on the go with Jimmy Butler acquisition, which was a while ago, but then Tobias Harris trade around the deadline. How How is that going for Philadelphia? How are all the new players getting acclimated with one another? Yeah, you know, it's, it's been tough. Uh, Brett Brown talks a lot about how it's kind of been three seasons for them. You know, had they had their... Their first, their first uh, iteration, their lineup with Sarge and Covington, and then the second one with Butler in there, and now the third one with Tobias Harris and Mike mm-hmm. Scott and Bovon Maranovic. Um, there, I mean, the the net, the starting lineups, net rating together, it's been a small sample, but it's it's well over uh, plus twenty in terms of net rating. So the, the starting five have been great. The issues they haven't had a ton of opportunities to play together. You know, Embiid missed eight games right after the break. Um, Butler didn't play yesterday against the Cavs because of rest. Um, so they've had such a small sample to kind of figure it out so far, which is a little bit, not, not problematic, but a little bit worrisome from their perspective, just because you got to figure this out so quickly. But, um, when those five guys have been on the court and healthy, it's been a pretty dominant, dominant union. You've seen stretches of that against, uh, the Lakers and the Nuggets when, when Tobias Harris first came over right before the break. Um, but there's still some things to tweak out. You know, there's still times where the, there's a confusion. Maybe, uh, Reddick has a dribble handoff and he pitches it one way and the guys go the other way and they turn it over or, a guy dives to the basketball, Harris or Butler's driving or things like that. So um, obviously there's some growing pains, but uh, overall there's just so much talent uh, mm-hmm. that it's, it's worked pretty well. But um, obviously there's a lot of talent with the Bucks and the Celtics and the Raptors that uh, you have to have, you have to have the chemistry mesh with the talent to really, to really view them as a, as a legit finals contender. Yeah. I think that the 76ers, they have that pure individual talent. Like they're right up there. I think that, when it just based on like talent in the starting five, the 76ers are clearly ahead of the Bucks. Um, I think just kind of getting them to play out of their silos and, and work well together. How how are their minutes staggered? Do they usually go with like a combination of keeping two of their starters on the court at all times, or how has that looked so far? Yeah, it's generally been at least two of their kind of big five. Uh, if I want to want to say that Butler and Harris um, have played a lot of minutes together with some bench guys. Um, Simmons has gotten quite a few minutes. Um, not, I don't know if alone, but 
uh, yeah, they're staggering a lot. They're not running that starting lineup out there a ton, aside from maybe opening the game for the first six or so minutes, and then the, maybe the last eight or nine minutes. Um, usually, usually what they've done for most of uh, Embiid and Simmons' tenure is Embiid plays like six or seven minutes, uh, and then Simmons plays about ten in the first quarter, and then they work from there. Okay. Um, but it's been just a little off because Embiid, like I said, missed uh, eight games. They only got about three or four to to actually play together before the break and before Embiid sat out with an E tendonitis. Um, so Brett Brown's kind of been tinkering with that and trying to mesh, um, trying to mesh it all. The big thing that they've recently eliminated when all five guys are out there is they're not playing uh, McConnell and Ben Simmons together, which has generally been really bad uh, in terms of uh, just production because it's two guys who don't really shoot. And they're both kind of primary ball handlers. So mm-hmm. uh, being able to kind of eliminate the, those minutes has, has really been really helpful for them. Um, but I would imagine that, that Brown's still going to kind of experiment because he's shown a willingness to, to experiment with things from game to game, open the playbook up, stuff like that. So, um, But they generally have tried to keep um, at least two or three guys, two or three stars, quote-unquote, on the floor at all times. Yeah, I think that a big thing that you that we hear about the 76ers is their lack of shooting, and like you talked about with McConnell and Simmons sharing the floor, obviously that's two guys that are necessarily adept at outside shooting on uh, one guy who won't take an outside shot. Um, yeah. How is that? Has that been a challenge? The lack of, I mean, Tobias Harris definitely brings more outside shooting him, Jimmy Butler, JJ Redick in the starting lineup. Um, how, how the 76ers fought through that this year with teams kind of, you know, not always having to worry about having to guard the whole up to the three point line in the half court. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's been ugly at times, you know, we're watching the game and, just as a as a as a neutral fan um, and I'm watching I'm just like sometimes this is just ugly to watch you know but mm-hmm. uh, it's led to a, some, some turnovers and there some clogged paints some, some pretty funny uh, screenshots of just really really tight packed paints from another Embiid or Simmons or something that's posted up but for the most part I think it hasn't been that bad uh, you know Butler's maybe been a little bit deferential recently and stuff like that, but what he does have an ability to do is kind of just muscle his way into the paint mm-hmm. and collapse defender, which has helped a lot. You know, maybe then he gets along the baseline and Simmons cuts in from the top or Harris cuts in for the top or Embiid's there for the dump off. So it, it hasn't necessarily been ideal. Uh, obviously, Butler's not a super high-volume three-point shooter or the, all that elite this year, uh, or even I think he's shooting like 34%, 35% on two or three attempts. But um, it hasn't been terrible. It seems like, Butler, Simmons, and Harris especially are are fairly solid or maybe becoming more understanding in terms of when to kind of dive into an opening when a guy's kind of collapsed or compromised the defense. But there certainly have been some times where the floor spacing is tough and they try and run a, a pick and roll with uh, Butler and Embiid or Butler and Harris or things like that. And there's just that one guy on the block and his defender's playing way up. So um, it hasn't been ideal, but I think for the most part, guys are, are starting to kind of learn of how to how to work around a lot of the attention that Butler or Harris or Simmons get when they do have the ball in their hands. Mm-hmm. So just kind of pivoting a little bit to Joel Embiid, are you worried about him at this point, his injury? Um, knee? I don't even yeah. know if it is an injury technically. Yeah, it's a, yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's just recurring pain that has been subsiding for a while. Uh, he had a little bit of stuff back in like late December, early January, um, Missed a game against the Blazers on like the, on December 30th and was questionable for a game on uh, the first or second against the Suns. Um, so it's been something that they they said has been uh, kind of persisting, but really flared up recently. Uh, the concern is that you're just wondering 
maybe why did you why did you play in the last game against the Knicks before the break? I mean, no disrespect to the Knicks, but you think that's probably a game you can still win even without him. Yeah. And then obviously it's his his choice to play in the All Star game, but you just kind of wonder if that that thing was bothering him. Why was he why is he playing in that game? And I get right. it, All Star game, it's fun. Um, so I don't really think there's a ton of worry now because he's he's looked okay. The big thing is just conditioning. You know, I mean that's always been an issue to an extent. You know. Uh, he's probably good for about 29 to 30 elite minutes, but they need him to play 34 to 35. Um, so that, that's been kind of an issue to an extent. But I think for the most part, he looked, I mean, he looked great against Indiana. Obviously, Indiana's a great matchup for him with uh, an undersized or lanky center and uh, Miles Turner and then maybe a little bit less defensively skilled center and Sabonis there. Um, didn't look great yesterday against the Cavs, but I think that was a lot of just rust and whatnot. Um, so I don't necessarily think there's a ton of long-term concern. I understand why there was, but I truthfully think it was one of those things where they just realized he was getting worn down a little bit, getting nicked up, and they had a stretch where they could maybe keep their heads above water and go four and four or whatever they went, mm-hmm. and then come back for that game against uh, Indiana on Sunday, which would have been right about three weeks from when they played in the All-Star game to that game. So um, I think some of it was slightly proactive, even though it was an injury that had kind of been around for a bit. Yeah, and I think we're seeing teams be a lot more proactive this year. I mean, with Kawhi Leonard, uh, the Bucks have done that a little bit with Giannis mm-hmm. um, after the All Star break, and I'm expecting that they'll do that again. And at one point in April, I think early April or something, they have like Bucks have like five games and eight nights. So I'm expecting that they'll kind of do some of that maintenance with Giannis as well. So that's definitely something that pe- that we're seeing a lot more uh, a lot more of here lately. Um, moving on to this Bucks 76ers game on Sunday. So being that, you know, how well you know the 76ers, how do you think they'll attack Milwaukee? What do you think that their game plan will be in this game? Yeah, you know, when, with obviously with MB, their identity a lot of it is slow it down and let him run through the post and stuff like that when he's on the floor. But without him, they kind of established almost a, a mismatch hunting game a lot. So it's just, just set up all the screens so you can get the smaller guy on you or the, or the big guy on you. Um, so I'd expect to probably target um, guys like Ilyasova, Miritich, uh, maybe even Brook Lopez to an extent, um, and let Butler and, and Tobias Harris attack those guys a lot because that's those have really been the guys who they phoned the offense through when Embiid was out. Um, but then it's interesting because you know obviously Brook Lopez has been fantastic this year on mm-hmm. on both ends. Really, he gets a lot of uh, acclaim for his deep three point shooting, but I mean his, his defensive metrics are, are awesome this year too. So it'll be interesting because you know if you try and post up. Uh, Lopez with MB, that's not necessarily the best uh, use of energy, even though he is kind of their offensive identity. So I expect them to set a lot of screens, force switches, maybe let uh, MB, po- or not MB, excuse me, Simmons post up blood. So I don't know if that's going to be the matchup, but maybe get some of that um, going. I know MB- or Simmons has had a tendency to uh, just uh, post up smaller guys, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Russell Westbrook, uh, guys like that when you can. So I, a lot of it I would expect is obviously run through MB, um, but then just try and target mismatches when you can and and create off the dribble or in the post for, for some easy buckets. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. As as a Bucks guy, I'm comfortable with Lopez on Embiid. I think that that's a fine matchup. Embiid's going to get his points no matter what. He's a super talented scorer, but I think that he's not going to have huge nights against Lopez. Um, but Lopez doesn't play the same amount of minutes as Embiid does, even with Embiid being on a minutes restriction. He'll have his time against maybe somebody like Mirtich or somebody like Ersan Ilyasova or... I, I, th- I think this is why the Bucks signed Pogasol partially because he's another big body to put down there if Lopez gets in foul trouble or something like that. So we'll see if Gasol makes another reoccurrence here on the court. 
Um, so that would be interesting. And then, yeah, like the, the matchups, because the 76ers kind of have a weird lineup, right, with Ben Simmons in there. <laughs> and so it'll be interesting to see who who matches up with who because Bledsoe is a he's been an elite perimeter defender this year going over yeah. screens and on the ball but I mean that's not necessarily somebody you'd want to use on Simmons for the reasons that you talked about about posting up but then also you just don't really need to cover Simmons on the perimeter so we'll see if they try to go with a bigger body or if that's the matchup that Milwaukee sticks with it'll be really interesting yeah I'm curious to see uh what they how they defend Giannis because yeah. on yeah. On Sunday, they had Simmons on Miles Turner because Turner likes to pick and pop a lot and shoot threes, and they had Embiid on Thad Young. Obviously, Thad Young isn't anywhere close to the degree of offensive playmaker and ball hunter that, that uh, uh, Giannis is, but you kind of wonder a guy who maybe you can sag back in the paint a little bit and let, let him come at you because if you try and put uh, Embiid on Lopez, he's going to have to guard up to the three-point line, and then you get you take your rim protector away from the rim against Giannis. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do there. Maybe I don't know if Brett Brown's maybe going to show his whole hand in terms of uh, maybe waiting for the playoffs if, that, if it comes to that or not, whatnot. But it'll be interesting to see what they do there because they have a little bit of versatility, like you said, with a funky starting lineup because they don't really have a, a point guard or two guard-sized players in the court ever. I mean, Reddick's their guy, but they don't have another point guard out there who's 6'1", 6'2", 6'3". Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to ask about next. So you read my mind there. I think that, <laughs> well, the Jazz, what they've done is put Rudy Gobert on Giannis both times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that could be an option, I think. If that happens, either Giannis or Embiid will be in foul trouble. Um, Giannis seems to get like pissed off when that happens, and he just attacked Gorbear like I haven't seen him attack very many players. Like he just took that personally, as in you're going to put this big guy on me and think that he can shut me down. And so I think though that Embiid has a little bit more craft to him than than Gobert does. And what I mean by that is he, he'll sell some of those hits that Giannis will deliver and he'll try to draw a few more offensive fouls. So I think that either he'll get those fouls on Giannis or Embiid will foul him. So I think that one of those guys wouldn't survive a matchup like that as far as foul trouble goes. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, I think, I think I remember you, you broke, you did some film when you broke down when the jazz came to Milwaukee. Uh, I remember seeing that. And then I watched the, the jazz uh, bucks game two weeks ago, whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, Giannis just came out of the gates like he was like he was on a on a fury. He was dunking on Gobert mm-hmm. into oblivion, slight not not dirty but slight hip checks, whatever it was, you know, with getting him out of the way and stuff. I know Gobert ended up under the stanchion a couple of times just because Giannis is sheer force. But yeah, it'll be really interesting to see because uh, maybe maybe he sells some fakes, but it's kind of tough for uh, maybe Embiid to sell those fakes and really get the call because he's he's bigger and brawnier than than Giannis and Gobert. So that'll be interesting to see, but. Yeah, it's just a really fascinating matchup for me because uh, the two teams' best players are really not not antiquated players, but they're just unique in terms of today's uh-huh. era and how they how they function and excel. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see how that all plays out. And yeah, I don't. I, you mentioned it too about will the teams really play their hand, knowing that this could be an Eastern Conference Finals matchup. I mean, as it stands right now, the 76ers have the tiebreaker over Indiana for third, and mm-hmm. I would expect the Pacers to kind of continue to slip back. So I, unless something dramatic happens with Boston, I would expect that Philadelphia will hold on to that three seed, and which will mean that they'll probably play the Raptors in the second round, and then the winner of that series would go on to the Eastern Conference Finals. So if these two teams... If these two teams do meet, it would be for a chance to go to the NBA Finals. So, yeah, it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see because both these coaches definitely have their eye on that. They want to win this game, but, you know, at the same time, I think that they've both proven that they have the bigger picture in mind, and that's winning a championship. 
Yeah, and that's the difference is where on Sunday it was a huge game in terms of yep. getting seeding and avoiding that four or five matchup with probably the Celtics, you know, so they had maybe had to bust out the, the Simmons on Turner and uh, Embiid on Thad Young. Uh, whereas this, it's like Sixers aren't, the Sixers aren't catching the Bucks, The Bucks aren't going to follow the Sixers. So, uh, yeah, I would just, I would kind of imagine maybe uh, hypothetically, if, if we did see him again in the playoffs, it wouldn't look much like it did now in terms of defensive si- assignments, maybe some of the playbooks that, that each coach uh, unveils. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So just a couple more questions here. One question I, I have is about the lineup usage. I know we touched on this a little bit. Um, I tweeted out a while ago, I was telling you before we started to hit record, I just randomly tweeted out that I think it's a matter of time until Butler blows up, or I don't know exact wordage that I use, but something happens where Butler is not happy because of his lack of usage or his, not lack of, but diminished role. You know, he likes to have the ball in his hands. Um, some 76ers fans found the tweet, were blowing me up. One guy <laughs> sent me like 15 straight, gifts or dms or something like that and so that's the only guy i've ever blocked on twitter and the only guy i have blocked because it just kept on coming and coming but (laughs) anyways so how i mean long term the plan seems to be to keep all these guys together do you see that working with butler and with his very recent past you know it's it's interesting because when they first traded for harris uh Butler's first six or seven games I thought were phenomenal. I wrote a piece about it. I thought he was he was doing really well, kind of uh, cutting into the defense when it was open, attacking right off the catch when defenses were compromised a little bit. But recently he's been a lot more deferential. He's had some weird games. Um, his defensive and, uh, energy has kind of waned at times. He's been more of a neutral defender maybe the last six or seven games. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I – a month ago, I would have said, yeah, they definitely shouldn't re-sign him. they got to keep this core intact uh, for the most part, this this big four. Um, but now it's, it just seems weird. He seems a little – I don't know if he's trying to adjust again with Embiid back in the lineup or whatnot, but he's just had some odd nights um, in terms of his energy and his aggression. Um, he's passing up some shots at the rim, maybe settling for some shots at times he shouldn't be taking. Um, so it's been a really – I guess the best word is odd to describe it. I still think he's, he's generally leaving a pretty high-level impact, if maybe not – all-star level, but um, top 30, top 40 player in the league. Um, so I think I think their plan is to still resign him, but just based off of maybe some – this is just total speculation. I hate to be a bi-language guy and stuff, but it just seems like maybe Butler has his sights set on a different team where he can play a bigger role. And that's – he really hasn't necessarily complained a ton about his role. The, the report that came out whenever it was, uh, I think Zach Lowe kind of corrected and said he was talking about himself and TJ McConnell. So I think – that's kind of a key distinction there is he was talking about multiple guys, but since then he hasn't really complained. There was that uh, gif about he was frustrated with their defensive coverage when Levine had that and one to beat him last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's been, I don't necessarily think it's been overblown to a degree, but I do think he hasn't been a, a huge problem. I think there's maybe been a little bit of it early and, and he voiced some concerns. Um, but I, but it has been weird. And I just think he is going to go somewhere else where he can play a bigger role and doesn't have to deal with this weird spacing and, and whatnot. Um, so that, that would be my guess. I don't have any sources on it. I don't have any, don't have any inside knowledge or things like that, but just from, just from maybe the way he's been a little detached recently, um, the offense, uh, for better or for worse, seems like maybe he wants to go somewhere else, but I could be totally wrong. And, uh, it could just be a weird feeling out period recently and, and whatnot, but that's just my gut and, uh, without any intel. Yeah. And Butler, he's the type of player where he can be the number one option on a 
team that's going to fight to be close to 500, right? Like, that's just where he's at is if he wants to be the number one option, his team is probably going to be fighting to get to that 500 mark. Or he can accept, like, that second or third role, like in Philadelphia, and be a part of, like, a really good team. And so I think that's kind of like a struggle is he has that alpha dog mentality, which is one of his biggest strengths and what's driven him from, you know, being a second round pick, you know, to make, to becoming an all-star in the NBA. But that also now I feel like is kind of hindering him because he can, like I said, he can either be a number one on just my opinion, number one on a team fighting to be 500 or accept a little bit lesser of a role on a really good team. And, and so far, like in Minnesota and Chicago, it kind of hints that maybe he wants to be that number one on like a New York Knicks team that doesn't have a, elite star next to him or something like that yeah it's he, he, i think he's just a really uh interesting person you know he seems like he's super competitive and, and wants to win and so i i would have a tough time seeing him go to a, a middling team with a next team without kd um but i could see him going somewhere maybe they're stealing the second round 48 49 win team kind of like what maybe minnesota was if he didn't get injured and because mm-hmm. I, I mean obviously i know you you watched pretty much all the timberwolves game last year and whatnot yeah they were they were a good team before Butler went down. They just had the unfortunate luck of having to play the arguably the best team in the league that year in the first round. Um, but yeah, I, I I just don't. He's just not a guy that you really are going to know what he wants. And uh, I'm really interested to see what he does in the playoffs. Is he going to be a guy who really kind of ramps it back up defensively? Um, is he going to take more shots? Is he become that closer again that he was early with the Sixers? He's too competitive for, not to. Yeah, you know it's just interesting because. His defense has really been lackadaisical for stretches. You know, he's not fighting around screen. Maybe he's not rolling uh, to ta- to or tagging the roller or things like that. Um, but it, and so I don't necessarily think it's an athletic decline. It just seems like maybe he's tapering off a little bit because he's had some injuries throughout this year in his career. So I don't I don't know if that's the case, but it doesn't necessarily seem like something where he's fallen off a cliff because of ability. He just seems like maybe he's not he's dialed down a little bit, and so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's weird because obviously he's trying to play for a max contract, which again, just points to the fact that he's a really t- tough guy to read. So uh, I think whenever the Sixers season ends, you'll know a lot more about what type of player Jimmy Butler is at this point in his career. Yeah. Yeah. Time will tell. <laughs> All right. So last question, it's prediction time. Who wins this game on Sunday? And then how far do you predict the 76ers to make it in the playoffs? Ooh, oh man, it's, it's in it's in Milwaukee, yep. right? The game's in Milwaukee. In, okay. Um, the Bucks have been. I mean, I've I've watched them recently. They've they haven't necessarily been struggling a, a ton, right? Because of being healthy, right? They just had some guys dinged up. You know, Bledsoe missed a game. Uh, I think Giannis set out, right? So they. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's necessarily. I'm I'm going to go Milwaukee. I think they've been great all year. Um, I still think the, the Sixers are trying to figure figure it all out. And while they've been really good together, you know, you have to be really really good to beat beat a team that's on pace for 61 wins or whatever it is. Um, and then in terms of in terms of making how far they're going to go, I liked what I like what I've seen in terms of adjustments uh, with Brett Brown's playbook, maybe how he's using MB a little bit defensively. So I'm going to say they can make the Eastern Conference Finals. I think I think if they can play the Raptors in the second round, I like the chances. I think Brett Brown's a better coach than Nick Nurse. He's been there before, even though he kind of got. Uh, he kind of got outcoached last year against the Celtics. He'll be in his second go around. Nick, Nick Nurse will be in his first. Um, I'm, I'm so I, I'm going to go. I'm going to say they're going to follow the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think I think we're going to see some things from from them with that offensive and defensive versatility that their starting lineup presents. That's going to 
that's going to empower them and enable them to to make it to the cusp of the finals. I think the Bucks will the Bucks will beat them in six, five, six games, seven games, whatever it may be. But I like their chance. I just I think they've got enough versatility and and talent in that starting lineup to make it that far. But I could also see them losing the second round. But my my pick right now is I'm, I think they're going to be one of the final two teams standing in the East. That sounds good to me, and I like that the Bucks get some revenge from the 2001 NBA final, or Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals too. So I like it across the board. All right, yeah, no, it, it should be really fun. The last we got what two two months? I mean, we got a month left of the season. Yeah. We got two two months or so until we figure out who's who's making the finals, and all that. so it should be super fun and fascinating with all the all the impending free agent stuff that's going on with all all four big all big four uh, Eastern Conference teams have a lot of. Uh, things to figure out this offseason. Are you leaving or, the Pacers out of that? When you say big four, I'm guessing the Pacers are, you're leaving them out? Yeah, I guess in terms of offseason, they would they would be cool that big five. But in terms of big four, yeah, I just have a tough time seeing them them get it together to really compete with the big four without yeah. uh, Oladipo. You know, I mean, they scored 30 points during the second half against the Sixers, and obviously the Sixers are a good team, but uh, I just don't think they have enough offensive creation to, to really to really challenge those teams. But their defense is awesome, and they've been, They've been really, really well coached, and with with Oladipo, I, I wouldn't have any issue putting them putting them in that making it a, a top five. Um, but yeah, I should have been a more clear. But yeah, just just a bummer that they that happened, mm-hmm. you know. But they, but all five teams then have a lot to, a lot of impending free agents and, and stuff to figure out this offseason uh, with regards to how their their season ends. So it should be a really fascinating seven, eight months, whatever it is between now and next season. Oh yeah, it'll definitely be action packed. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jackson. I appreciate you hopping on here. For listeners, you guys can find him on Twitter at JackFrank underscore JJF. Make sure to give him a follow there. And then also the Sixers Film Room at Sixers Film Room, which just started up. And you can check him out if you want to follow him. Go ahead. Definitely a lot of great work going on there. Thanks, Jackson. All right, well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Jackson is very knowledgeable about the 76ers over there at Liberty Baller, the other SB Nation site which covers the 76ers. So definitely make sure to check out his stuff. He really knows what he's talking about, and I think that was very interesting to hear how the Bucks are viewed from other teams' perspective and how they're considered a really a real major threat. I think that's something that Bucks fans are we're sensitive about, right, is how other team or how other media views us. And so that gives us an inside look. And his prediction is for the Bucks to make it to the NBA Finals, which I'm cool with. I agree with. I'm right on right there. So I was going to answer some questions that you guys had posed to me via Twitter after I had sent out that tweet um, looking for your questions. But I like to keep these right around that 30-minute mark, so I'm going to skip that part this week. I don't want it to run too long. However, I'll make sure to answer them on Twitter on Thursday, so make sure that you guys go and check in there. You can just check on my Twitter feed and the question I pose, and I'll answer them right where, right where you guys asked them. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week. I hope you guys really enjoyed the show. You can find me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I'll catch you next time.